Good evening. This is episode 66 of Screen Tone Club, your fortnightly look at manga. We are recording this on the 17th of December 2020 for release on the 22nd of December 2020. This is basically the last episode of the podcast before we both vanish into the hinterlands to go hunt down Santa for sport. My name is Elliot Page, Santa, hu- Santa hunter extraordinaire, and I am joined by my wonderful um, sort of gun dog, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? <laughs> I'm I'm very much looking forward to hunting Santa. Like that 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 feels like that. I'm kind of amazed that isn't already some kind of Hitman level. Maybe it is. Maybe it has been. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can become Santa in one of the Hitman games. Yeah, um, but it kind of needs to be the other way around. I think you need to hunt Santa. Like that that seemed like a very 2020 thing that should happen. But hey, there's a new Hitman game coming out soon, so maybe maybe they will write this wrong. Yeah, I willing to bet that they will put a Chivo in there. So if you shoot Santa in front of a bunch of children and they'll scar them for life. Um, I'm pr- although I don't think they can probably put children in a Hitman game because then people will try and kill the children and that might end badly with lawyers and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah. <laughs> Actually, I did, a Santa- I did a Christmas level in the Paris level at one time, didn't they? Anyway, whatever. Yeah, I'm- yeah, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you weren't allowed to murder Santa, so like, spoil sports. Boo. Anyway, so as mentioned, this is your fortnight look at manga. We're closing in on the end of the year quite rapidly. Um, at the same time, we're about to record our bonus episode, so look forward to that as a quick stocking stuffer. Um, as always, um, if you like what we're doing here, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, that really helps and defers the cost of the manga. Um, we can we can give you bonus episodes from the mere sum of $1 a month. Uh, we're still waiting for Patreon to turn on the ability for us to do annual billing, um, which will save you some extra money. But hey, um, and if you back us from the three dollar and up tier a month you get to choose what we vote on for our bonus episodes so you get to directly affect our lives um also directly affecting our lives is mr rob jessup who very kindly supports us at 12 dollar tier so once again thank you very much rob so this is the part of the show we'd normally talk about returning champions but um i think you yourself more than me andy we've both been a bit busy and so i haven't really had time to catch up on anything apart from our normal sort of um assignments for the podcast yep like likewise here yes i'm kind of kind of looking forward to some some christmas r&r to hopefully read some stuff yeah yeah and also yeah read some stuff for our own sakes (laughs) so there's that um, do you mind if I take first pick, Andy? No, let's let's go for it. Okay, so my first pick was a slightly newer title um, available from Yen Press called, and again, I'm going to murder the pronunciation of this, but it's Mieruko-chan. Um, it's a pun on the word Mieru, which means I can see, I think. Um, it's been a while since I actually watched anime. Um, but so basically it's about a girl called Miko who can see horrible, horrible beasties, like ghosts and stuff, except they're usually intensely gross and malformed and they have like you know the after effects of a violent death on their hands although it doesn't go into the whole like over explaining it thing Uh, but basically she's the only one who can see them and for her own sake she's doing her very very best not to interact with any of them whatsoever um, because she doesn't want to get involved with it and frankly it's better off that way so um it kind of starts with her just at the start of the first chapter she starts to see these um, entities and it goes from there and like initially i was a bit worried about this series after i bought it because the first chapter has 
a bit of the horny about it and it does take a few chapters to kind of shear that off but it thankfully learns maybe not to worry about the sex appeal of its dour main character um she has a best friend called miku who is extremely genki um big old titties and all that sort of stuff very sort of airheaded but very good friend and they go on a little adventure where basically it's miko trying to shepherd herself to finding a way to get rid of these beasties and so, you know, it's, 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 the one thing I like about this is it's kind of like, and I'm going to make a really weird comparison here, but it's like Jujutsu Kaisen without any of the power level creep or any powers whatsoever. Like, this is a normal person who has to deal with suddenly seeing a whole bunch of fucked up stuff, and unlike a Shonen Jump protagonist, can't punch it out of out of existence. Um, which makes it quite fun where, you know, she's not trying to do anything about it, she's just trying to get on with her life, um, and is kind of petrified to death about it like the chapter where they go to a donut shop and whoops, she gets into a line that's for, you know, weirdo ghost people. Um, and yeah, it has a nice little message about, yeah, don't walk with your phone out, <laughs> which I could learn myself. Um, so yeah, I quite like this. Um, and I kind of liked it more and more as the volume went on, um, mostly because as I say, it knocks off the horny and it also kind of mixes in a good amount of like actual abject kind of horror with some comedy, a lot of very funny comedy and, a weirdly sort of um and some weirdly emotionally poignant poignant chapters especially the last one in this volume which was kind of where i went from liking this to really liking it um and it kind of does something a bit cheesy or a bit easy but i really enjoyed the last chapter for the emotional heft it suddenly like pulled out of its handbag and whacked me with um so yeah i'm I'm a big fan of it um it's kind of a fun romp and it kind of executes its core premise really well and as i say it doesn't waste time trying to over explain it or like shonen power creep you out of it so that's kind of the fun part of it and also miko herself is kind of a nice character she's an all right gal she's not exactly like you know jumping off the walls exciting but she's you know she's got a good head on her shoulders and you hope she's okay <laughs> at least i do but yeah what do you think of this andy um, yeah, so for, for me, this is a an entry in our occasional series. Andy gets kind of bored with the manga and starts writing his own version in his head. Oh dear! Because um, for me, this never really got out of first gear. Like I kind of I liked the the initial premise and like okay, this is this is kind of a maybe not like the most innovative concept ever. Like there are plenty of of manga about like you know basically icy dead people effectively um but it just felt like it kind of it had its initial joke and then it just stuck with that like i guess my my two hopes for this series like when i started reading it was that one and i guess this is the one i was sort of expecting it to go for is i was sort of hoping that it would really start kind of pushing the envelope of the whole kind of like Miko tries to ignore the ghost slash monster thing kind of to an extreme like it felt like there was a potential for a really kind of ridiculous like absurd comedy here where every chapter is kind of upping the ante of like okay this apparition is getting in my face and I need to like find ways to ignore or avoid it and you know just hilarity ensues but instead it was pretty much the same thing over and over again of just like yeah I'm just gonna ignore this and then I don't know something happens but it's not really you know there's not really any kind of meat on those bones so that was kind of the series I was expecting and didn't really get Um, but I also found myself like as this volume went on sort of wanting actually wanting it to dig deep into some of these like ghosts and apparitions and things because there are some really interesting setups here it's like there's 
some like guy that she sees in a restaurant that's clearly you know kind of like a a bit of a womanizer that has this sort of ghost attached to him that is super possessive and it's like i i want to know about that i want to know who that is like is is this just some random apparition like is this some like ex-girlfriend that like killed herself to get his attention is it some stalker that like got run over by a truck because she was paying too much attention to stalking him and like not the traffic like what's what's the deal with them and like that was the thing that i kept sort of increasingly as sort of the actual designs and situations of the actual kind of apparitions became more interesting it became all the more frustrating that they were really just like hey look at this cool like monster thing that i drew rather than actually digging into like who who are or were these people yeah, I get a feeling I kind of maybe I was a bit more easy to please in this case where I kind of I kind of enjoyed it having untold stories of that kind like the dude who adopts the kitten um where you two do different people who want to adopt the kitten one dude who looks nice but is surrounded by loads of evil looking beasties and another guy who basically has a pair of like necomata orbiting his bald head and I kind of enjoyed that light touch to it so maybe Again, maybe I'm just more easily pleased, where I'm kind of happy with the level of inter- of like interaction they have, um, and yeah, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it for the rather goony sort of base level comedy it did have, like the whole prayer beads exploding thing, and you know, as I say, the untold stories of the various demons, like of that couple you mentioned, who you know they have different apparitions around them. And I kind of enjoyed that just in a case of, you know, you know, just Miko surviving and then getting the hell out of their story, which is perhaps weird where I'm kind of happy to like, re- I mean, it, it, when you think about it, it's kind of like we're we're watching like a side mob character in another series who would investigate and resolve these problems, like a Kurosagi corpse delivery service side story type dealy. Uh, now, that's a really good series if you want some like creepy beyond the grave nonsense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I must admit, like I kind of found myself just kind of enjoying it as is um, <laughs> in a rare sort of moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I, I would have been quite happy with it as is like had the comedy worked for me. But it's like once it was beyond kind of chapter one, it's just like, oh, this is basically kind of you know this is just gonna kind of retread the same ground over and over again like i kind of wanted like i say to see some sort of escalation or something to really kind of bring something sort of different into the scenario because it it pretty much sets its stall out and then kind of sticks with it like especially once kind of like miko's it's mostly around kind of miko and her friends just hanging out like it, it again it has potential to like add more people to the cast and do a bunch of things and it it never really does that much like i i did enjoy that final chapter like in the big reveal there like that was that was almost a point the moment of like yeah this this is the kind of stuff that i wanted a bit more of um but like by that point it was kind of like too late it was just a little little uptick at the end of it all okay that's fair i mean there are four volumes out in japan um so i'm probably on for another um volume at the minimum because i want to see where it goes and maybe it gets its act together in volume two but that is probably slim sort of i mean even if it is the case that's probably a bit too late for yourself i'd guess yeah, yeah, like, I, I think it, it needed something more for me to, to, to hang my hat on, which is kind of a shame, because like I say, I was, I was into the premise, and I think kind of the, 
ironically like even when it's being super horny which it, it never quite completely knocks off but it does at least dial down um like it's 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 very interested in miko in her pajamas um well at least it learns to stop putting her in strange like the first chapter is full of strange poses we are like what why why are you splayed out like that holding a bag of salt like this is weird like, yeah yeah it is it is particularly super weird which is hilarious when you like read it afterwards like oh yeah i put the first chapter up on the internet and then it was super popular it's like yeah i was wonder why like you know you can you can totally see why like so many manga have that kind of first chapter disease of you know just kind of weird positions etc etc it's both um, a first chapter and a thirst chapter if you're ex- exactly man if, if, if we had podcast titles um <laughs> um but yeah like you know I, I i do really like the juxtaposition of you know miko as a character and like the, the really kind of horrific things around her that only she can see like all of that stuff is really well thought out and illustrated and again kind of like ironically sort of backhandedly sort of played into me wanting to know more about those characters because i mean some of the designs are pretty on the nose but there's also very much a kind of like oh you know how how does all this stuff work kind of like feeling to it because you know there are there are some characters in there that are are your pretty typical kind of like you know shambling kind of monster slash apparition but there are also some like pretty good kind of like grotesque designs in there that it's just like you know i i'm I'm curious about sort of the origins of these things and there's sort of you know it it plays with that really nicely in the artwork at least so i mean that that, it certainly had that going for it yeah i mean you get a real big spectrum of like the grotesquery and it it feels almost like a silent hill-esque monster set where you know that series um was probably more mysterious when it was on a ps1 or a ps2 where you couldn't really tell what the hell you were looking at but it's like oh it's a bunch of nurses okay okay oh it's a bunch of skinless dogs okay okay and it this kind of um, series goes in for the same sort of concepts of oh this was a guy who apparently took his life because he's got a noose around his neck and kind of moaning and then you've got as you say the very possessive um, jealous um fe- presumably female ghost and you know the the dead cats sort of thing so I feel like there is quite a lot of breadth in the monsters that it kind of explores quite handily. Um, and, you know, the, there is definitely, there's. I think the second chapter is the one that has one of the more sort of weird and annoying ghosts, which is basically just like a booby, pa- a, a booby frenzy, which feels like a bit of weird shade being cast on the actual readers at some point, um, <laughs> which, you know, hey, whatever. Um but that, that led to a really cool design of this thing basically being all legs and kind of clambering out of someone's desk, um, which was creepy. Yeah, and definitely- yeah I, I, I think that's that's kind of the thing. Like, you yeah. know, in, in manga, it's really difficult to, to kind of, you know, to, to, to do horror kind of like in, in any kind of like really sort of way that makes you react. But there, there was definitely a feeling of like, oh, this is kind of creepy to like see these these things. Yeah, totally. It was definitely a case of like, especially because like one of the things is that the monsters are trying to confirm if Miko can see them. And that's kind of the implied threat of like, oh, if she acknowledges their existence, they know that she's on their wavelength and God knows what happens then. So that's kind of the like the quiet implied threat. But I'm guessing it probably won't pull that trigger until a while ago, a while late, a while later sort of thing. I think yeah. the, the only one she kind of passively announces that she understands is the is like the last chapter um, beastie. Um, but yeah, it's kind of this thing about her being like utterly petrified of letting a guard down, which, you know, don't want to draw attention to herself. And that's kind of, as I say, that's where the interest for me comes in of her just having to play everything off. Um, again, it's like, as I say, Jujutsu Kaisen, but you have to avoid everything for the life of God. So, 
but yeah that's that's Miyaku chan i'm a big fan um as i say the monsters are really cool uh the characters are well drawn i the, the art was quite funny it does a lot of good stuff with framing you know it makes sure to hide things when it's wants to reveal them for for you know sort of jump value so it kind of does a good job with um you know layouts and you know just good little jump scares when you turn the page type daily um, yes yeah for sure yeah but yeah, um, so yeah, I'm a big, big fan. Andy, not so much, but I'm looking forward to volume two coming out because I'm glad there's like four volumes to go. So hopefully, again, I'll get that out sooner. So we look forward to it being in returning champions at some point, I guess. <laughs> cool. Cool. So uh, moving on to um, the other um, title, um, your pick, Andy. Um, God, this one's so weird, um, but take it away. Yeah. So uh, as, as kind of mentioned on the last episode, I'm just kind of like breaking all the rules here because, hey, like it's almost Christmas. So why not? Um, and this is uh, the intuition of Haruhi Suzumiya, which is uh, the latest book in the Haruhi series that we all thought was done and dusted. But no, it's it's back. Um, and I will warn people like right from the get go, like if you're hoping for some grand kind of reboot or some like new entry point for a, a new generation of Haruhi fans that, you know, maybe are simply too young or otherwise miss the boat on the the franchise, this is not the book for you, uh, because this is very much, this is not a kind of a big bang grand return, and more just a set of side stories within the existing chronology of just kind of like little asides, pretty much, um, that, you know, slots very much kind of into the midst of the series somewhere, like it's been too long since I read all of the books to tell you exactly where, um, but it very much early on sets out its stall of like referencing other events and kind of like placing itself in the timeline. Um, and so it's kind of really weird in that sense because it's, it's very much written as though Harry as a franchise has never been away. Like an even, even the afterward at the end of the book is like, Oh yeah, it's been a little while, but I've written another one. <laughs> it's like, it's been more than a little while, my friend. Um, but, uh, hey ho. Um, and so yeah, this is really kind of a collection of sort of three somewhat linked kind of little side stories there's a shrine visit that has like perhaps the most harahi start to it of just like a random number being thrown out there and then kind of working its way through to like the what that number meant in the midst of a whole bunch of other stuff of like you know kyon being snarky as as he is and quiz me being as smart ass as he is harahi being harahi etc etc which again very much are just a, like it's like they've never been away and you know kind of welcome back kind of thing um and then the rest of the book is kind of really around it's, it's a big old homage to kind of mystery fiction effectively um, kind of like a discussion of, uh, of the sort of the classic idea that, that schools in Japan have seven wonders, quote unquote, like seven kind of mysterious things that happen. Um, and, uh, the school's kind of mystery club sort of basically kind of seeds the idea of like, oh, our school doesn't seem to have this, uh, which immediately sends the SOS brigade into a panic because they want to figure something out before Harahi starts creating her own weird and wonderful, uh, seven wonders. Um, and then that all kind of plays into a, a final story that is effectively a Surya, uh, just kind of setting down a challenge, um, and a mystery to be solved, which is really just everybody sat in the club room reading some stories and, and discussing them. Um, so I think that's sort of the weird thing about kind of reading this in 2020, because I think if this had come out as just another Harahi novel in the midst of that run, it would have been a kind of shrug of the shoulders, like, eh, this was kind of a bit of a phoned-in one, you know, there's not really anything massive or of great importance here. Um, but because it's been a while, it's kind of... 
is kind of a bit of a warm comfort blanket of just being reintroduced to this cast of characters and getting to hang out and spend a little bit of time with them. And so I sort of, as much as there is nothing kind of groundbreaking or incredible, and this is certainly not the franchise at its best, there was just something kind of nice about like, oh yeah, I remember these characters. I, I enjoy spending time with them. And it's just kind of like nice to see some old friends, basically. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was, as you say, like to continue the like warm blanket metaphor, it was like a, new, a nice warm blanket. Like the first little short story at the Shrine visit was nice because it basically had both Kyun and Harry he being Sundarer as hell with each other, which was kind of nice as a way of bringing that back together and also as a way of introduce, reintroducing you to the cast, um, the core sort of like SOS Brigade. And then the second um, story about the Seven Wonders was great. I really liked that because it was kind of like, you know, the Harry, the anti, the Harry he um, sort of um, like defense brigade jumping into action to try and stop her from doing something completely bonkers and ruining all their free time, um, which was in the case of Koizumi stopping him from basically getting shot a bunch. But it was really fun. I really liked it. It had a kind of fun. I feel like it kind of cut off too early where at the end of it basically has Harry going, well, I'll do my own thing then. And it then cuts it off where I was, I was hoping it would carry that on for a bit longer, but it was, I enjoyed it what it was. And then the bulk of the volume is this weird love letter to mystery novels, which I was very much not really on board for. And the blanket turned very itchy. Um, like there's a huge, huge long, basically just conversation between, Koizumi and um and the new mystery um club sort of character T who is an exchange student which is I think probably the one last thing missing from the like checklist of tropes that Harry he is subconsciously pulled together um who's an actually interesting new character I really liked the her addition um because she was a nice fun breath of fresh air um without being an antagonist um and then it just went on this huge long discussion about mystery tropes and i really didn't care and then they then there was the surreal story which was uh, uh, just very 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 long and really like i don't know i it, it did get, have the desired effect of having me figure it out one page before the actual reveal which was kind of the whole point is to make is to like let you respond to the challenge which is what they talk about at great dry length at the start uh but i just found it extremely long and extremely tiresome and i didn't really like it because it was just a lot of gabbing and it was mo- perhaps the most flat of the character presentations that there were there um presented in the volume so it, it was kind of annoying and also like i know this is gonna sound very base of me but my e-reader would tell me how many pages until the next like chapter break or picture and whenever i flipped over and it said one of 42 i'm like oh no like it's 42 more pages until the next possible sucker oh no it's going to continue crap um but it had some pretty cute pictures it had a really nice picture of yuki so i'm satisfied um <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a sh- for me it was a shame because I was really kind of I was like the first two stories I was like great it's back and I've missed it like when I was reading these every six months when they were just coming out standard and they were ready to come out I got kind of bored of the side stories because I was waiting for something to happen and at this point it's a case of like oh Harry he's back and I still like these characters and they still work even in 2020 that's nice in fact they're if anything they're a bit more sensible than normal um, with everything else that's come out light novel wise but then as I say the detective story was just dull i just didn't like it it wasn't any it wasn't it wasn't my wheelhouse it wasn't my cup of tea and i just i read through the whole damn thing um dear listener but i could did not like it <laughs> yeah I, I mean certainly like the whole 
the whole discussion between Koizumi and the transfer student, like, that was kind of interminable. Like, it was, it, it was like, you know, the Harahita equivalent of Ready Player One, because it was just throwing references into a bucket, and it was, it, it might as well have just been, like, an afterward of, like, here are things I like, here are pieces of mystery fiction that I like, here are the tropes that I like, because that's, that's all it really needed to be. Like, it felt incredibly clunky as this kind of long, rambling discussion of stuff, and, like, that certainly didn't work for me. Um, the whole bit of, kind of, like, Surya's mystery, I kind of enjoyed it. It definitely went on way too long and kind of like felt like it could have been concatenated somewhat but I I sort of liked I kind of liked the way it just simply like laid out kind of challenges for the reader to try and figure out and there, there was something kind of satisfying about that um, but yeah, like definitely, definitely not kind of like top tier material from this series. And it, it, it feels weirdly kind of like hamstrung by having to kind of fit within like the chronology of the existing novels. Like I kind of, I, I guess the two things I was expecting for this were that it was going to be something kind of relatively big and grandiose because the series had been away for too long. And I also kind of expected it to, even if it wasn't trying to kind of, you know, push towards a new audience that it might try and kind of push more towards like the Western popularity of that franchise. But like, it's still very kind of steeped in kind of Japanese culture references, especially around kind of literature, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, the kudos to like the, the, the translation and localization of this book, because like they, they put the legwork in of like trying to, to make stuff work when sometimes it's really difficult for it to do so. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, it's weird because I, I was expecting this to be more of an event rather than just that kind of like blanket of just like, oh yeah, it's these guys again. These guys are cool. I, I like them. Yeah. It very much feels like another one, like, as you say, like the intervening God knows how many years hadn't happened. Um, which also at the very, very end of it, you do get this weird conversation between uh, Koizumi and Kion, where basically Koizumi basically says, hey, all the other like overarching stuff and the extra characters outside of this club room still exist and here's their status. And I was like, oh, I guess you're going to be continuing this with it again. Like you're going to continue this with another, another book at some point because you're clearly teeing us up to remember all the other stuff that we've had to deal with at some point. So clearly you have that in mind um about what you're doing here like it mentions a bunch of other characters like kuo and whatever so that was weird to me of like oh okay i guess that's coming back sugar so i guess i gotta remember all those lot again at some point but yeah it's as you say it's it is this strange ripped out of time thing about one of one more um and yeah it's a strange read because of that and for me i'm again I, I know i'm hammering this but i really enjoyed the first two stories it's like oh man this is just what i kind of wanted as like just you know more tales of the harahi and then it kind of went down this really weird self-indulgement lab rabbit hole about mystery stuff it felt like i don't know it felt like baby nisio where at least nisio has this good grace to like kick you in the nuts halfway through the story um to make it more interesting um in his own way i suppose yeah i mean in in a way this kind of book almost sets itself up for a fall because it has all that discussion of like the whole seven wonders idea of like oh god let's make sure harry he doesn't make these it felt like it was setting itself up into you know something where it's like you know it's going to be racing around the school trying to fix all this weird stuff that harry he has done subconsciously and then it kind of just like parks that idea and be like nah it's all fine yeah even like, even when there is this weird implied threat at the very end about oh nope she's still going to fuck things up oh no you change story oh weird so 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's. I mean, in, in a way, I, I kind of like appreciate the sort of you know it, it kind of throwing that that sort of that red herring in and, and then not following through on it. But it could probably have done with something better as the distraction from that. Because yeah, I think my my brain definitely kind of during that longer final story kind of like drifted back to that. It's like ah, uh, I'd kind of like to see more of that stuff going on and kind of you know see. Harry doing something weird rather than just kind of being because I mean weirdly like Harry's kind of like a backseat character for most of this book like e- even in a lot of the conversations it's just like oh Harry's not turned up yet so I guess we'll talk amongst ourselves like you know she's she's actually pretty pretty limited in her appearances here like this is this is almost like you know the the smugness of Koizumi rather than the melancholy of, of Harry or anything else yeah Koizumi gets the lion's share of all the time mostly because he's the one who can sidle up to Kion and basically elbow him in the ribs um which is kind of his entire deal uh well yeah and Harry he is more like an accessory in this case um I mean even in the like the the long form Surya story she's kind of there just to kind of grease the wheels and Jimmy and you know g everyone along um which is weird um but yeah i, I mean I, if, if anything i still feel hopeful and would like to see more um like harry he stuff if anything because i liked the i like the addition of the new transfer character what was it t i think uh yeah. like she was it she was fun like didn't get too much chance to really shine but i thought it was an interesting character and it's like oh, okay this is nice like another another character in the like generalized orbit um so yeah, I, I, it's weird where like I, I found myself not really liking the vast majority of the actual verbiage of this book, but still coming away going, yeah, I'll read another one. Fuck it. So, yeah, I'm kind of and as you say, at the end, it has the afterword of him just going, yeah, I, I put another one out. And it's like, well, I suppose you don't really have to worry about precedent or anything because you already have an established name and franchise at the dawn of it. And then he has a very nice, um, very heartfelt afterword about the um, Kyoto Animation Studio. Um, you know, obviously it was written after the, or the afterword at least was written after that horrible fire. Um, and so that was a nice thing to see. Um, a really nice little sort of basically love letter to the people who did so well by his own work. So that was pleasant to read. Yes, yeah, that was actually like I, I actually found that quite kind of moving. Just just that that little kind of couple of pages talking about that and and talking about it in very kind of you know human and personal terms in in a way that you know it, it's we we've all kind of you know we all saw that that whole thing unfold from afar and obviously you know we know the creations and the creatives by name but like his his very personal take on you know the the people that he knew and uh, you know how how he knew them and and that that kind of that that actually got me a little bit i kind of kind of welled up a little bit reading that but uh yeah but yeah like it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what what he uh what he does next because yeah like the way this was framed was very much just kind of like almost a return to business as usual for, for bashing out harry novels so i i very much suspect there there will be more and i i don't know like again i'd really like to see it branch out beyond the confines of kind of like the the stories that have been written like i mean uh, i kind of hope that that kind of um tanagawa doesn't feel like he's sort of written himself into a corner of like well i basically finished the series so all i can do is kind of slot things into the like the existing chronology because i think that's going to really hamstring it like i kind of hope it 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 busts out something kind of a bit more kind of you know fundamental and and kind of notable um at some point if if it is indeed going to carry on well, I think this is the latest in the chronology um, because they are second years now, um, the main cast mostly, and also...
also like it does like reference as i say the extended cast of pseudo antagonists question mark question mark um that were introduced in later volumes and so i feel like this is like in this weird integrum sort of floating liminal space between volume like volumes 10 11 and then whatever is to come next so this is it kind of pitches itself as existing beyond what was already there but again also just very free floating um so you know as you say i'm 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 with you in that i you know this wasn't the great reintroduction or great reboot but i'd like to see it do something i mean you know it's it's really bizarre where personally for myself like i mean i perhaps for quite a few people maybe like flattering myself but the series peaked uh, for me on book four disappearance and i get the Mm -hmm. feeling that's probably the same for a few people but that's where it peaked for me and then it kind of like leaned back from there because disappearance was a pretty you know especially the obviously the movie from kyoto animation kind of took it to the races and everything whereas after that the book's material kind of leaned back and away from that kind of big big story element yeah uh, yeah i, I mean, mean even, I certainly... even even books 10 and 11 which are a two-parter were kind of flat by comparison um, yes yeah i mean I, I kind of enjoyed those final two books but yeah like it definitely kind of peaked early um but uh yeah you know i don't know maybe maybe, maybe given sort of the vestiges of time etc etc like you know it it would be interesting to to see kind of you know whether the the author has has kind of like grown over the fullness of maybe writing a few more books but uh we shall we shall see yeah i suppose yeah i mean one thing to mention about this is the actual release where it came out both in japan and here in english uh day and date um which is great um i think that's really cool and really smart and could not have been any small amount of input um because it means that you know you get it out to people you get it out to fans immediately um across both ends of you know that particular pond obviously there are probably other languages it yet to be translated into but that was really cool i was really glad to see that um and they're obviously reissuing the previous ones um so that was a really good idea a really good idea and I'm, i hope we continue to see that because it was nice just to have the like you know the delta between it's out in japan and out here was zero um, yeah yeah and i mean it's it's kind of crazy when you look at it for a light, a light novel in particular like you know even even a a manga you know manga simul pubs as we like to call them or as we don't like to well call i was about them. to say i don't like um, to call them that at all um but you know like even that is a big undertaking but an entire like you know 200 plus page book to to get that translated and get it all out at the same time is is actually like a, a real feat and again i was kind of a little bit worried that like oh maybe this is going to be a sort of you know a little bit shonky in terms of readability because they've had to you know rush it through because you know even with the simulcast in anime you kind of see that where you know the things maybe aren't massaged into quite the way you'd you'd like um but like it was it was a really good solid strong localization so um yeah like hopefully if they found a a pipeline that works clearly you're not going to want to do it for, for every release but for some of the the big series like maybe maybe this is the way forward yeah i mean yeah you you would have to i think you know part of the success of it would have to be getting everyone involved early so you can start things in motion like as you say if they'd have tried to just shove a translation out there after two weeks of writing i think that'd been a nightmare (laughs) um but yeah as you say it's it's cool it's cool to see it come out day and day and you know it's a you know something nice in this weird year of nightmare so (laughs) exactly but yeah i'm i'm totally on the hook for more i hope more is coming i mean as i say the ending of this volume kind of makes it clear that we haven't forgotten all the rest of that stuff um and it also kind of helps like tie off some of the loose ends from that so yeah i it it it, maybe i'm reading too much into it out of a hope that it does do something more and interesting but it does point towards one of the extended cast for being a flying ointment so we'll find out soon i guess (laughs) maybe yeah 
so yeah, that was um, that was um, what was it? The intuition of Harry Hisuzumiya. Indeed. Yeah. Um, anything else to mention on that, Andy? No, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, like like you said, there are some nice illustrations as well. Um, like I'd, I'd kind of I'd kind of forgotten like how how pleasing some of those are to the eye as well. So it's uh, it was a, also a nice little thing to revisit there. Yeah, it's like ah, my friends, you know. <laughs> so that's quite nice. Cool. So, moving on to um, what we're picking and reading for next episode, which will be our first of 2021. Um, So, mine is um, kind of spawned by some recent kerfuffle down under in the land of Australia, and also just of um, seeing it come up on Discord chats once once too many times for some reason. Maybe there's a, like, influence Elliot Cabal going on here. But I have picked volume one of Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs. Andy, how about you? Uh, yeah, so uh, this is this is more born from the fact that I just kind of keep seeing the, the, the characters and illustrations and the name just kind of bounce around randomly on social media and it, it, to the point where I feel like I should probably actually read this and kind of see what uh, what the deal is. Uh, so my pick for the next episode is Don't Don't Toy with Me, Miss Nagatoro, Volume One. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear what you think about this because I'm already in the on the boat for this um, series. I'm a big fan. Um, and yeah, I'm, I wonder who the hell you're listening to that would mention this in your ear so often because I've tried to keep it quiet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the internet in general. Like, it seems like, you know, like Nagatoro's characters just become like somewhat mimetic and, uh, it just kind of seems to keep cropping up in the, in my peripheral vision when I'm browsing Twitter. Yeah, I mean, my first, in my first recollection of the character before it was even a manga watch was like a mimetic series of posts on a message board of ill repute so oh dear but yeah we'll we'll have a read of that um over the christmas break um so uh, moving into close down um thank you everyone for listening uh as always if you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts well hit up your podcatcher or go to our website screentone.club also on there we have a list of all the series we've covered so far which is long um i'm hope to update that page at some point um if you like the podcast um the best thing you can do and we appreciate it is if you could tell a friend um you know discord twitter blah 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 all that stuff is really helpful because word of mouth is still the best way for podcasts to grow um if you like really what we're doing um please consider becoming a patron um even don't feel like you have to prove anything like any one even one dollar really helps defer the cost of our manga and gives us a nice warm feeling frankly um especially in these tough times um but anyway um and if you want to catch us on twitter we're at screen tone club or one word uh, if you want to email us you can at show at screentone.club uh, my name is elliot page you can find me on twitter at elliot page i'm currently fighting my cat because she constantly likes sitting on my office chair and she is not a fan when i try and remove her at all so andy how about you uh, yeah you can find me on twitter at hannah's 1979 cool so yeah um Merry Christmas to everyone, or happy holidays, or whatever the hell. Um, I hope you have a lovely time. I can't wait for 2020 to be over, quite frankly. And if I could, I'd turn myself off and go to sleep until it happened. <laughs> so there's that. But uh, best wishes from myself and from Andy. Yes, indeed. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Take care of yourself. Um, and we'll see you, hopefully. Well, he- you'll hear us in 2021. So good night. Bye, everyone. <laughs>